What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Landlord Chip Podcast. In this episode, we're going to cover a topic which has been debated thousands of times across forums, Facebook groups, podcasts, books, magazine articles, everything. We're going to talk about how important your credit score is during your real estate investing journey. And I want to make sure that everyone knows we're not just talking about when you're getting started. A lot of people frame this as how important is credit when you're starting your real estate journey? The reality of it is, is that your credit can take a hit at any point and you can maybe have one unit, you could have six units or you could have no units. So in this episode, we're going to cover what I feel about this question. Is credit really important in your real estate investing journey? Stay tuned. Building a real estate portfolio is as much about buying properties as being a de facto entrepreneur. I'm Karina Ufinger. I'm a multi-property investor, rental management company CEO, and also a landlord coach. I'm going to show you the systems and knowledge you need to thrive as a real estate entrepreneur. From your first property purchase to building a portfolio of passive income where you work less than five hours a week, you'll learn the essential information and skills to build a profitable portfolio and live the life you truly want. Whether you are well on your journey or just starting out, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Landlord Chick Podcast. When we're evaluating prospective tenants who want to rent one of our units, credit is usually the first place we go. Maybe. Uh, Sometimes if you have some sort of background check source in your state that's free, you might start there because obviously that's not going to cost you anything. But for the most part, we always start with credit score with our tenants. But on the other side of the tracks, what about our credit score? If we're trying to buy a property... How important is our credit? Well, the short answer to that is it depends on your strategy. Now, that'd be a really crappy excuse as to how to answer this question if you're on TV. But we're not on TV. We're not sitting across from any MSNBC brainchild. So we're going to get real here. How important is credit to your real estate journey? In my opinion, it's not very much important. It's not. There's so many tools that we have in our investing tool belts to get us across the finish line to investing that I really don't think credit is extremely important. Now, that being said, depending on what you want to do, credit might be more important. If you're someone who wants to buy a 68-unit, multi-million dollar complex, then, all right, chances are credit's going to be important to you at some point because you're likely going to need to take out a loan for that unless, of course, you're sitting on a Scrooge McDuck pool that nobody really knows about. So in that instance, yes, credit's going to be important to you. But what if that's not your goal? What if you want to get 60 or 70 units, but you're not going to get them in one large complex? Well, then my argument is that credit doesn't have to be important. You just have to be resourceful. And that's the truth about it. You can have a really crummy credit score, 
and you could still make real estate purchases. You just have to be creative. And you also probably have to have a little bit more endurance than people who have a better credit score than you, because it's not going to be exactly easy. See, if we think about it, those of us that have great credit scores, basically what we can do is go to any lender and say, hey, I want to buy a real estate property. I want to buy a rental investment. And you just start the process. Sure, they'll look at your debt to income ratio and if you have a W-2 job, how long you've been there, blah, 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 blah. We all know the story. But it's relatively easy for us to get a loan for a real estate property. But then there's those of us who have pretty crummy credit. And maybe it's something that you created. Maybe you went on you know, shopping sprees at Neiman Marcus and Sears and Macy's and Best Buy and you just loaded up your credit cards and then you didn't pay them. Or maybe you had unfortunate circumstances. I am somebody who had unfortunate circumstances. Back in 2009, I was diagnosed with cancer. And at the time, I didn't have good health insurance because I had what was sort of referred to as college kid insurance. So I ended up coming out of there with close to a million dollars in medical debt, thanks to, I think it was two, two ICU stays and a couple of complications. But I came out of that with more debt than I would ever be able to pay. So I ended up filing for bankruptcy. So of course, my credit took some time to get back up there. And I will fully admit that there have been times in the past eh, 20, 24 months that I've been late on payments, not because I haven't had the money. I just haven't paid them. So there have been times that I've paid my mortgage a little late or I've paid my credit card a little late. I'm definitely not giving life advice here. But, you know, I'm human and these things happen. So I know I'm not sitting with a credit score in the 700s. Um, I'm probably sitting with one that's somewhere in the mid to, if I'm lucky, upper 600s, but I'm going to say it's probably in the mid, mid 600s. There's plenty of places that you can go, by the way, and get your credit report. Um, plenty of places you can go just, you know, Google for a free credit report. It's sort of eluding me who does the um, credit score commercials all the time. And maybe it's because I don't watch as much TV. I don't see the commercials much, but... I remember it distinctly that they used to advertise, like, I felt like it was once an hour about where to get your free credit score. But anyway, so having a low credit score, or maybe, let's just say, very, very poor credit, is not going to be extreme hindrance to you getting into real estate investing. It's not going to slam the door shut and say you can't do it. There's plenty of ways that it can be done. So if you're in this boat where you don't have good credit, what do you do? Whether you have one property or you have no properties, what are your options? Well, one of the first things you can do is shake the trees that are around you. We've talked about this in other capacities, but if you have a poor credit history, then one of your best resources is going to be your friends and family. Talking to your friends and family and see who'd be willing to invest in real estate with you. Now, I know there's a lot of people who won't want to do this because it seems awkward going to your friends. You're sort of 
asking them for money. And we talked about this, gosh, probably 10, 12 months ago or so, but you have to frame it right. Anytime that you're approaching somebody who you want to lend you money for real estate, assuming they don't do it for a living, by the way, so you wouldn't approach like a hard money lender this way or a traditional lender this way. But anytime you're looking to get private money together from people who don't normally invest in real estate, you have to remember you're selling them an opportunity. You're selling them an opportunity to make a better investment than what they can make anywhere with a savings account, a CD, um, stock market even. So that's where you that's how you frame it when you approach somebody to ask them to invest in real estate with you. You aren't asking them for a favor because you're giving them an opportunity. But that's going to be your first place to go is your friends and family. And your friends and family have more avenues of investing in real estate with you than they think they do. Um, one of the least sort of known about ways to do it is through a self-directed IRA. Now, you're, there are some things about it, like you can't go to your husband's SDRA and use that money to invest, and you can't go to your wife's, vice versa. Um, you can't go to your parents as well. So you want to look up a little bit of the restrictions on self-directed IRA real estate lending. But friends are fair game. Uh, cousins are fair game. So there's plenty of people that are fair game to use a self-directed IRA to invest in your real estate journey. Now, if you're interested in that, that is, as of right now, it's a topic that is above my pay grade. Um, part of the reason is because I have not even set up a self-directed IRA, which I am in the process of doing. That's one of my commitments to get finished in the month of February is to set up my self-directed IRA. But there's plenty of resources out there on self-directed IRA investing. I think Bigger Pockets has at least two books that have chapters on it, and they may even have an entire book that features self-directed IRAs at, the, at, at this time. But that's one avenue of getting your fams and friendly to, real, to get into real estate investing with you. Now, what are some of the other ways? Well, these might seem more obvious, but it's going to be their savings account, their CDs. Uh, some people can take loans out on life insurance policies. Uh, then, of course, you have home equity, equity they have in their home. You know, there's obviously a big list of pros and cons to all the ways that I just said, except for basically cash that they have scrolled away somewhere else. And this includes the stock market too. So cash scrolled away would be the CDs, the savings I talked about, the stock market. Um, those are some of the common places that people have money scrolled away. But that's where you can find out if your friends and family have money that you can give them an opportunity to earn more money on. Now, of course... My recommendation is going to be that if you're using friends and family money, regardless of whether you are experienced or not, you shouldn't be buying a risky investment with it. You don't want it to turn upside down and be in a position where you owe these people money because nothing ruins relationships quicker than owing somebody money, whether it be $12 for lunch at the food court cafe or $20,000 for a real estate investment. It's just something that's going to ultimately put some real kinks in a relationship. So definitely do not go out there, get this money, and then buy the riskiest investment that exists in your area or wherever you're looking to invest. So what are other options? We can't just have one option because if we have one option, well, then we don't really have options. We just have one path. 
Well, another path is hard money lending. Now, this is something that I know people have gotten sort of very personal opinions about. And it's definitely one of those things where you have opinions where either you're really, really against it or maybe you're not extremely advocating for it, but you understand that it has a need and it's useful. So for me, the way I view hard money is I view it's useful. But I have quite a few people who view hard money lenders as sort of the devil that exists out there. Uh, I am not that person. I think there are true reasons for hard money lenders. Uh, One of them is for getting people into real estate investments that other banks wouldn't lend on, but are great opportunities. So sometimes you can buy a property that is so derelict that no bank in their right mind would lend on it. One of the best examples I can think of off the top of my head is a fire damaged property. A fire damaged property is going to be something you're going to purchase relatively cheap, but you're also not really going to get a bank to lend on it if you have, I think, usually more than 50% of the building is fire damaged. So that's a good use for a hard money lender. Now, another good use for a hard money lender is for people that have poor credit. One of the best ways for people to get involved in real estate, if they can't actually get fruit from another tree near them, which is their friends and family, is to do the hard money lender lane. So in that instance, since maybe you're going down this lane because your credit is really bad. Maybe you're going down this lane because your debt to income ratio kind of sucks or any number of things. But hard money lending is one of the tools you have in your belt if you don't have a great credit score. The reason behind this is because hard money lenders will focus more on the property than they will on you. There's plenty of people that have gotten hard money loans with probably the shittiest credit that exists possible. And they have been able to become real estate investors. See, they focus more on the property. When you submit everything to the hard money lender, what they're doing is they're running the calculations on the property. They're looking at the after rehab value. They're looking at the amount of money that would need to be put into it to make it sellable. Because ultimately, if they end up back with the property, they're not going to look to retain it. They're going to look to sell it. So they're going to look at what you're eyeing to buy and go, okay, if we end up with this property back on our lap, They say they're going to put $60,000 into it. What do we think is the minimum we would need to put in there to flip the property, to sell it, and get our money back? They look at the property more than you. Sure, they're likely going to look at you just because they want to know who they're lending to. But nine times out of ten, it's going to get approved because they're going to look at the property. Now, what's important to understand about hard money lenders is that, honestly, for the most part, they don't mess around. You are going to be paying a higher interest, but your loan is going to be shorter term. So while you may be paying, I'm just going to throw out a number out here. It's not correct. It's not any number I've gotten from a hard money lender. Maybe you're going to be paying 15% a month for six months, But you're paying it for only six months instead of paying it for a year or two years or three years or 30 years. You're only paying it for six months. Your payments to a hard money lender are likely going to be interest only. So you're not really going to be creating any 
equity through your payments in the property. Now you're gonna be creating equity in the property through fixing it up, but don't think you're also going to be earning equity from your payments because your payments are gonna be interest only. But what's gonna happen is you're gonna have this property that you can fix up. The hard money lender is gonna lend you the money for the purchase. They're gonna lend you a percentage of the repairs. Little asterisk there for people that don't know. Hard money lenders lending on repairs means not that they give you the money up front for the repairs, but you basically have to fund the repairs ahead of time and then they'll come back in and they'll refund it to you. But anyway, so you'll have this property that you've fixed up. You've gotten equity in it. Then you're going to go to a bank and you're going to say, hey, I have this property, which I have $100,000 in equity in. I'd like to take a loan on it for $65,000. Well, you're going to look much different to the bank in this situation, even if you have crummy credit, than if you went to the bank and said, hi, I'd like to take a loan out for $165,000 rental property, and I have the worst credit that you've seen in your entire life. The scenario where you fixed up the rental property with a hard money loan is going to go much smoother for you than walking into the bank and saying what I just said. In fact, you're probably going to get laughed out of the bank if you actually do what I just said as far as walking to the bank and saying you have the shittiest credit and you want to have a $165,000 loan. That's why hard money lending is, or hard money lenders are a good opportunity for people with poor credit because it's going to open those doors. Now, my recommendation, if you're going to be going that route, you definitely want to be looking at a property that's going to give you the biggest stretch of equity, meaning you're going to gain the most equity in that property. Because the more equity you have in that property, the more likely the bank is to overlook anything going on on your side of the equation and look at that property and go, yeah, it's totally okay to lend for $65,000 on that because it's worth $130,000 or it's worth $120,000 right now. Hard money lending is a very useful resource for people with poor credit. It's honestly, I think, one of the easiest ways for people that with poor credit to get invested in real estate because it doesn't involve going to your friends and family. It doesn't involve going through self-directed IRAs. And nowadays, especially, I personally feel like not only are we seeing more hard money lenders, but we're honestly starting to see, I don't like to make this statement to indicate that other people are unethical, but we're starting to see a lot more ethical, hard money lenders, ones that aren't necessarily robots that are stamping things and ones that are not necessarily just in it for themselves. You're starting to see hard money lenders that are more collaborative in how they work with their investors, even if they do this truly in a business format. So I really believe that hard money lenders are a really good resource for people that are investing in real estate. Whether you want to buy a property that is a fire special or you have no credit or bad credit, I think hard money lending is a great way to get started in real estate if you have those hurdles or you want to run down that road. Now, do two pathways make an opportunity? Well, Maybe it does. Maybe that means you have options then. Because now we're looking at the fact that it's not just friends and family. And we also have hard money. But is there another way that we could get involved in real estate investing if we don't have the greatest credit? Yes, there is. And 
No matter what you call this, no matter how you phrase it, the last avenue that we have open to us if we are people with poor realist, with poor credit and we're trying to further our real estate journey is going to be seller financing, master lease, whatever you want to call it. There's other terms for it. Any situation where the person who currently owns the property is your banker is the option that I'm talking about. For the purposes of this conversation, we're going to call it seller financing, even though there's intricacies to that that make it different. But let's sort of use that term in a very general way, like we all use Rubbermaid or Tupperware now. So seller financing is going to be another avenue if you have poor credit. Now, seller financing is more likely than not going to be relationship-based, which means you're going to have to go out there and cultivate the relationships with people who have properties. And then you basically do the Brandon Turner strategy. If you've never heard of Brandon Turner, which maybe you're, you're, you're not into bigger pockets. Funny, I still meet real estate investors who've never heard of bigger pockets, and yet it's so much a part of my life. And I think it's so popular with having a national convention and everything now that it seems a little odd that there are people who don't know about bigger pockets. But I digress from that. Over at Bigger Pockets, Brandon Turner, the way he got started in real estate was very simple. He had been talking about getting involved in real estate for months at his church, just casually in conversation. They just mentioned it over a breakfast at church, when church was over, over coffee at church. They just mentioned it here and there. Well, what happened was at some point, a couple approached Brandon and said, we're interested in selling our, I forget if it was a 16 unit or 20 unit. We're interested in selling our 16 or 20 unit. Well, we really don't want to go through the whole open market process. We just kind of want to get it done with and we want to be very low key about it. Would you be interested in purchasing it from us on what's sort of called the master lease? That's exactly how he got started in his real estate investing journey. Simply by mentioning at church that he wanted to get involved in real estate. And that he was looking at getting involved in real estate and talking about real estate. He had this opportunity fall in front of him. Now, not everyone who goes to church and starts talking about real estate is going to end up with a 16-unit master lease in their lap. But <laughs> that's one example of how you never know what's going to come of an opportunity. So seller financing is a true way to get involved in real estate. It's definitely going to be relationship-based. Although, even if you do have to go through some sort of credit qualification, it, you know what? It's going to be a mixed bag as far as how they view credit. Some of them will say a credit score of 600 or more. Others will try and go for the pristine credit. It all just depends on the seller. But really, the reason that they don't necessarily have to go with the pristine credit is because these people are real estate investors. They have this property because they've invested in real estate. What's the worst that's going to happen if you default? They end up back with the property. There's still going to be contingencies as far as like keeping up with the property to the person they're creating the seller financing with. Um, things get really, really, things can get really, really creative when you're looking at the terms of a seller financing contract. And that's almost like an entire episode in itself. But suffice it to say that the seller can position themselves in a way in that contract where Literally, the worst thing that happens is they end up back with a property, but somehow they end up with 
more or less an extra $8,000 in their pocket or whatever it is for the monthly payments before the seller, I'm sorry, before the buyer defaulted or just sort of disappeared. So seller financing is a good opportunity. Where can we find seller financing? Well, like we just talked about, it's just simply talking to people that you meet on a regular basis. So any clubs that you're a part of, real estate clubs seem sort of obvious, but maybe you're part of the Rotary Club, maybe you're part of a Lions Club or a baseball club or, I don't know, hundreds of other clubs that exist in the world, uh, churches, um, any place that you go consistently and you cultivate relationships is a great place to mention that you're investing in real estate and just seeing what opportunities exist. Another story that exists out there is I have a colleague who went to, I believe it was the Rotary Club every week. He was a new member. Rotary Club every week for their events that they were having in the summer. And then in the winter, they went to all the monthly meetings. He always mentioned, yeah, right now, you know, I work for this local company. I'm head of the accounts, but, you know, really someday what I want to do is I want to own a real estate property. He kept this up for months and months and months. And 16 months after his membership started, he actually had another Rotary member approach him and say, you know what? My wife and I are getting to the point that we'd like to start offloading our properties. I've, I've really liked you here as part of the club. What do you say we sit down and have coffee and talk about you buying my real estate properties? And it doesn't involve you having to get a loan from a bank. 100% true story. This person is like my personal hero because of how they just did something. They took something everyday life, turned it into an opportunity, planted the seed, and eventually that flower grew and it created their opportunity. So now, as I am recording this, they have taken their original portfolio purchase from three units, and, or I'm sorry, three properties, and they have grown it now to a total of 12 units in what is a time frame of three years. I am extremely proud of them for the way that they've done it. Now, in case you're like, wait a minute, that seems like slow growth. Uh, once they actually got their feet under them and they got the seller financing deal and got the equity there, they went the more traditional financing route. So that's why it was maybe a little bit slow to progress. But it doesn't change the fact that this particular person was able to execute on a seller financing portfolio. And it was something that they did sort of nonchalantly. They didn't approach anybody aggressively and say, hey, are you selling real estate on seller financing? I want to buy it. No, they just cultivated these relationships in a club over time. And eventually what happened is a year later, that seed spurted a flower or a tree. And they were able to get fruit off of that. So this is why I don't think credit is extremely important in real estate investing. If you have the tenacity, if you have the courage and you have the fortitude, you can invest in real estate without having the greatest credit score. You can invest in real estate without having a mediocre credit score. You just got to be willing to do it differently than other people, possibly put in a little extra work and even potentially wait a little bit longer for the opportunity to come to you to do it in your situation. All right, guys, I hope you got something from this episode. Remember, this episode isn't just for people who are starting out in their real estate journey. So if you know an investor who 
recently went through some hard times and their credit took a dip. Whether it be professionally they, they went through hard times or personally they went through hard times and their credit took a dip. Share this episode with them. Let them know, hey, there's still light at the end of the tunnel. You can still do this. I hope you guys have a great week. Coming back with another episode. Hopefully next week. Y'all know how this goes. But next time, we will transition into a brand new topic. I'm not going to give it away because I'm really excited about this one. But I think we're all going to enjoy it a lot. You guys have a great week and I will see you next time.